Informing America's farmers and ranchers, it's Adams on Agriculture, produced by the American Ag Radio Network. Here's your host, Mike Adams. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Adams on Agriculture. Thanks for joining us. Hope you're having a good day. We're getting ever closer to a vote in the House on the Farm Bill, and we're going to kick off today's show with that very topic and get the very latest from the ranking member of the House Agriculture Committee, Minnesota Congressman Colin Peterson, joins us. Congressman, thanks for being with us. Always enjoy talking with you. Glad to be here, and good morning, everybody. All right, you've got a week off. You're back talking with people. What kind of reaction are you getting to this Farm Bill proposal? <laughs> not much. <laughs> really? That's not it's about the fourth or fifth thing that comes up, in conver- if it even comes up. Uh, people are concerned about what's going on with this trade situation, uh, what's going on with the RFS. Uh, that's the number one and two things that I hear about, depending on where I'm at, you know. And uh, they just don't, I don't know, they're, just, they're not fired up. You know, the question is, well, is it going to get done or not? And uh They don't seem to be too worried about it one way or the other. So I don't know. (laughs) Kind of weird. So as the vote gets closer, um, have you any different thoughts on on the proposal? Have your views changed at all on on what you'll be voting on next week? And can you give us some insight what what we might see as far as amendments are concerned? Well, um, you know, I, I... I'm reflecting the views of the uh, Democrats on the Ag Committee. Um, They are uh, unanimous, and uh, we have a lot of um, members on the the committee that are most interested in the SNAP part of the bill. So this is an affront to them, and uh, I don't know what you can do to, uh, you know, change their minds. I don't think there's much you can do. I think a bigger concern for where this thing is going is the fact that the Heritage Action people apparently came out against the bill. Uh, so I don't know how you get this thing done. Um, and that's what I tried to tell the chairman at the beginning of this process, that, you know, this just wasn't going to fly. And uh, one of the things you don't do, uh, I've learned in politics, if you want to have bipartisan situation you don't ask somebody to do something they can't do and that's the situation we're in here so you know uh it'll play out that we're not going to have any amendments um they'll pass it or they won't uh depending on what happens uh if it goes into conference uh you know if it passes the senate is not going to do any of this snap stuff um so how you, even if we get a bill back out of conference, how you get that back across the House floor, uh, if they've already taken this position going over to conference, I don't know. I just don't see it. Um, and But I'm not the chairman, and uh, we'll just have to see how this plays out. The chairman told me last week that he's hopeful that you'll come back to the table and work on this farm bill and uh, he said he's hoping that you'll come back. Uh, have you had any more conversations with him? Do you anticipate having any more talks with him before a vote? Uh, I have not had uh, conversations with him. And, um, you know, I'm willing to talk to him, but I'm not going to uh, 
initiate it because he's made pretty clear where he's at, and he's he's you know said from the start on this uh, these work requirements that he's not going to negotiate, and that uh, was a deal breaker on our side of the aisle, partly because of what happened in 2013. You know, uh, I'm you know I think that people should work. I agree with that. Uh, what I don't agree with is this huge amount of money that's being spent on a bureaucracy that's not going to accomplish anything. That it doesn't is not enough money to actually train anybody. Uh, they're fixing a, the wrong part of the problem. The problem with the people that aren't working is that they're living in the wrong place and they have a waiver and the bill doesn't do anything about the waivers. So you're still going to have all kinds of people in these metropolitan areas and you know other uh, rural parts of the country that have been on waivers that are going to continue to be on waivers. And the folks that are going to be uh, caught up in this are just going to be run through a huge bureaucracy where they're going to spend all their time filling out paperwork and, uh, I guess, driving to uh, workforce centers, uh, which in my part of the world is not reasonable. So, you know, I... I um, I just don't agree with what they're doing. Uh, apparently, the Heritage Action people who have been pushing this, they don't agree with what they're doing either. They came out this morning and said that uh, the uh, provisions in there, they don't think uh, work, and you know they're, they're not for them. So I don't know. I don't know where this thing is going. Um, we'll see what happens. Are you happy with the rest of the bill beyond the nutrition title? Not really. I mean, I tried to... We started off this process, you know, and we worked through things on a bipartisan basis, trying to keep this thing together. Uh, I went along with some things in the conservation area that I um, don't really, uh, I'm not that excited about uh, cutting, um, spending in that area and consolidating things and so forth. Uh, you know, I was concerned about the, the uh, adequacy of the safety net in Title I. Uh, but we, you know, I was convinced that we don't have any money, so we can't do anything. Uh, you know, so we worked through things. Uh, but when we were doing that, we were not uh, under as much threat of getting rid of the RFS or uh, these trade um, situations, which I think put us in a much more precarious position in terms of the safety net. So, you know... I've said this publicly that the bill needs more money. You know, we saved 130 billion since the last bill. I think we deserve some of that money back to fix this bill up so it does what needs to be done. But that's not in the cards, um, and that's you know not the deal breaker. I mean, I was going along with this, but when they came in with the SNAP stuff, um, even though I warned them, uh, they went ahead and. Uh, and, you know, that was one thing. But the other thing, they just said, well, that's not negotiable. Well, that shut things down. I mean, it wasn't. I'm not the one that said it wasn't negotiable. Are you expecting a vote next week? No. I think it'll probably be the week after. But I don't know. Maybe it'll be next week. Uh, whatever. It, it's up to them. Uh, the chairman says that uh, they're going to have... Um, they're going to bring it up when they have 218 votes. So I don't know how they're going to do a whip count when people aren't here, you know, in Washington. And so um, whether they're going to be um, ready to 
move on this thing when they get back if they've got a adequate web count I, I don't know uh, but um, you know I'm not in charge so we'll see what happens can you imagine any Democrats voting for it no none none all that right so a, we... I don't know what I don't know what that, what that effort was about I mean it as a number of people have said, you know, I I just won the award to be the most bipartisan member of Congress from an unaffiliated group, Georgetown University and the Luger Foundation. Uh, you know, as some of the people have said, you know, if they can't work with me, they can't work with anybody, and I think that's I think that's pretty true. So, all right, I, I know I'd like to work this thing out, but if you have that as a non-negotiable part of it, I just don't see where we're going with this. We'll see what happens. Ranking member of the House Ag Committee, Colin Peterson. Thanks as always, sir. We'll talk again All soon. All right. Thank you. Stay with us. More coming up on Adams on Agriculture. Thanks for listening to Adams on Agriculture from the American Ag Network. We're excited to explore the topics that make a difference to agriculture. The Farm Bill, immigration reform, reducing regulations, trade, new technology, as well as infrastructure and health care. Through the year, Adams on Agriculture will originate on location from several major national meetings and events. Subscribe to the show's podcast at AmericanAgNetwork.com. We're proud of our new affiliates. Thanks for listening to Adams on Agriculture from the American Ag Network. In 1847, Hanson Crockett Gregory invented the donut. Genius. In 1908, Melita Bentz invented the paper coffee filter. Genius. In 1928, Otto Frederick Rowetter invented sliced bread. Genius. In 1930, Ruth Wakefield invented the chocolate chip cookie. Mmm, genius. There's genius, and then there's pure genius. At BASF, that's what drove us to develop Ingenia Herbicide, our most advanced dicamba formulation ever for dicamba-tolerant cotton and soybeans. It gives you a low-volatility solution at the lowest dicamba use rate ever offered, providing an additional site of action to outsmart the toughest weeds, even the glyphosate-resistant ones. Grow smart with Ingenia Herbicide from BASF, a flexible solution that's pure genius. Talk to your representative today. Learn more at IngeniaHerbicide.com. BASF, we create chemistry. Ingenia Herbicide is a U.S. EPA-restricted-use pesticide. Always read and follow label directions. The mighty Prosaro, king of fungicides. Its fast action and long residual make it the keeper of grain quality and yield. Seasons, the number one reducer of scab. When your goal is greater wheat quality and higher yield, use Prosaro fungicide, and the crown of higher profit will be yours. Learn more at prosaro.us. Always read and follow label instructions. All right, guys, we're ready for our four-season sunroom, and Daddy's going to get a rec room with refreshments. Oh, no, we'll be sleeping under the stars. Mom, what about the one with, you know, the fun? Nice try, little bro. It's a gym, my gym. Hey, Grandma's getting her Four Seasons garden room, weather tight and still like being outdoors. Maybe a living room. Oh, no, wait, a family hub. Yeah. Yeah. No matter what the budget, the season, or the climate, Four Seasons Sunrooms let you and your family enjoy the outdoors inside. Call now to hear more about these great offers from the premier manufacturer of sunrooms since 1975. More reasons for Four Seasons Now. To 
find out more, call toll-free 800-988-4477. That's 800-988-4477. Call 800-988-4477 today. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now back to Mike Adams. And welcome back. Our thanks to ranking member Colin Peterson for being on with this last segment. thought it was interesting when I asked him about what was he hearing back home about the farm bill, and he said not much. He says people don't seem to be fired up very much about the farm bill. And about trade, those are bigger concerns. And also, as you heard him say, he does not expect any Democrats to vote uh, for this House uh, farm bill. And we'll see if it comes up for a vote next week, or as he said, more likely maybe the week after that, whenever uh, the Republicans feel they can get the 218 votes. So we'll keep a close watch on that. Joining us now is University of Illinois ag economist Scott Irwin. Scott, good to talk with you. Thanks for joining us. Uh, Always good to talk with you, Mike. I thought those were interesting comments uh, for all the wrangling and posturing, uh, the political theater over the farm bill. Uh, the ranking member says he's hearing more about trade in the RFS than he is from the, on the farm bill. That doesn't really surprise me. Uh, I think most people have an expectation out in the country that we'll get something not too different than what we had with the 2014 farm bill, uh, and that's certainly not what's on people's minds that will affect prices and incomes now. Yeah, I guess if there was something in that proposal that uh, um, changed crop insurance in in what was perceived to be a negative way, then he'd be hearing more about it, right? I'm sure you're right, yes. So I think people have an expectation of more or less status quo on the farm bill. Yeah. All right, so let's talk about this RFS waiver situation that continues to heat up. we have senators uh, demanding to know more about this, wanting transparency, wanting uh, these, uh, you know, these waivers to, to stop in many cases when they're going to people like Carl Icahn and others. W- what's your take on how this is playing out? Well, two things that I want to say in response to that question, Mike. First off, it's important to keep in mind, as based on what we can know from the public pronouncements and some uh, reporting, uh, particularly through Reuters, that the small refinery rape waivers that have been offered to date and have actually been implemented are retroactive for 2016 and 2017. So a retroactive small refinery waiver doesn't change anything that happened in the past in the physical ethanol markets. Presumably, those uh, firms got their rins back in some way. And so all it does is add to the stock of existing rins, which then does, to some degree, drive down the price of rins, which then indirectly removes some of the incentive for uh, pushing past the E10 blend wall and increasing the usage of higher blends. But it doesn't directly destroy demand, as I think that kind of um, conclusion has been thrown around a little too loosely. Uh, But if, so that's number one. And number two is, and there, the reporting suggests that there's uh, even more waivers being requested for 2018. 
Now, that is a different ball of wax. Those waivers will directly reduce demand for both ethanol and biodiesel. Uh, it's just a question of how much. Are we seeing rent prices going down? Is that I think I saw that uh, recently reported. Uh, and is it because of these waivers? Partly. There's there's two. Rent prices have dropped substantially in the last six months. Uh, not much comment on. Part of that is because we've seen gasoline and diesel prices rising, which gets in particular diesel prices are now 50 cents closer to biodiesel prices, which in and of itself, that drops uh, the price of uh, biodiesel RINs by about uh, 33 cents. So that's a big part of it. The other part of it is, indeed, there has been um, a major drop in RINs prices surrounding uh, these small refinery exemptions. So the combination of those two have uh, caused RIN prices to drop a lot. And so that's the case. So we're waiting now to see if uh, E15 sales are going to be allowed year-round. If if that is approved, if that waiver is granted, what impact does that have on the ethanol market? Well, I'm going to be get, get myself probably out here on a, a limb. I, I, I hope doesn't get sawed off, Mike. But uh, quite frankly, I think that the benefits of the E15 RVP waiver, if it is put in place, and it's likely to be challenged in court, so this implementation could take a while, but let's just assume it just smoothly gets implemented very soon. I don't see that as helping uh, E15 and ultimately ethanol use uh, all that much because expanded, yes, you do need the year-round RVP waiver, but you also have to have relatively high RIN prices for ethanol to help incentivize E15. E15 on its own doesn't look like it's a, a great deal for consumers uh, without the help of that RIN prices. And now RIN prices are too low to really incentivize uh, very much, in my opinion, expansion of uh the higher ethanol blends like E15 and E85. So, yeah, it'll feel good to maybe win that victory, but I don't think in terms of gallons of ethanol and bushels of corn it's going to make much difference. So it comes back to that REN price again. Exactly. And, you know, we're it's a little too early to know for sure because we have to get more data, but I've been tracking recently uh, the blend rate for uh, ethanol in the U.S. gasoline supply. And, you know, what we're looking at is, you know, the early signs of real, um, basically having stopped what looked like in the last year, some pretty decent momentum towards breaking through the higher ethanol blend wall um, as we went through most of 2000. Uh, 17, uh, even into January of 2018, we were, in terms of the U.S. average blend rate, um, you know, well above 10%. Uh, now in February, the data shows that that blend rate has collapsed down just a little bit below 10%. And so if that continues to be what the data shows, then um, the 
industry's effort to use these small refinery waivers to um, basically stop the expansion of uh, of E15 and E85 looks right now, the early signs are it's been very successful because they've been successful uh, in getting that RIN price uh, down a lot. And uh, I just don't see the RVP waiver as offsetting the damage that's already been done. Interesting. All right, we're talking with Scott Irwin, University of Illinois Ag Economist. Uh, what's your take on this um, delayed, <laughs> late in places uh, spring planting? Now, we've really started catching up in many states like here in, in Illinois, but other places still waiting to really get going. What's your take on this uh, and how it looks historically and what it could mean market-wise? Well, I think things looked a lot worse a week ago, and we are forecasting on corn that will probably be a bit above average in terms of late plantings, uh, given where we're at now. The, the key thing to understand on all of this is to get your minds off the really huge planters that you see in the fields, and it makes everyone think that you can plant the corn belt in five days. You really can't. But the key is time. Uh, our research suggests that uh, the really big late planting penalty for corn doesn't start till about May 20th. And so, you know, we've still got a good three weeks to go. That's quite a bit of time. And uh, looks like, you know, we are in the next seven to 10 days here in the heart of the Corn Belt and in the east, we're probably going to have quite a bit of uh, wet conditions. So that'll probably delay things, particularly in the eastern Corn Belt, um, maybe substantially above normal. But it looks like, like the northern part of the Corn Belt's going to get a nice warm-up and more of a dry area so that they can catch up. So you put that all together, uh, I think we'll have a, a bit above average late planting, but at least at this point, I don't see a disaster scenario um, developing. Uh, I think that the more important question for the corn market is to is to watch what uh, happens with precipitation. Uh, it, you know, so much of the attention in the last uh, few weeks, of course, on all these late snows and it's cold, it's been miserable. Uh, but without a lot of no, uh, people noting it, April was a very, very dry mm-hmm. month for the Corn Belt. And it was cold and dry. We just we noticed the cold, but not the dry part. And so we need some rains. Yeah, it was so gloomy. It seemed like it was wetter than it really was. All right, Scott, thank you so much. Uh, Always enjoy talking with you. We'll talk again soon. All right. University of Illinois ag economist Scott Irwin. Next, we'll talk trade. Are we getting close to the NAFTA deal? What about the China talks coming up this week? We'll talk with Brian Keel, executive director of Farmers for Free Trade, next on Adams on Agriculture. Hello, I'm Mike Lindell, the inventor of my pillow. And like all of you out there, I had problems sleeping. Pillows would go flat. I would flip-flop all night long. I'd wake up with a sore neck or maybe a headache, or I'd feel like I needed a nap even though I slept eight hours. Well, when I invented my pillow, I wanted it so you could adjust the patented fill to give you the exact support you need as an individual, regardless of sleep position. My pillow will get you into that deep REM sleep faster, and you will stay there longer. It's not how much time we spend in bed. It's how much of that quality sleep we get. I do all my own manufacturing 
manufacturing in my home state of Minnesota. I have a 10-year warranty, and you can wash and dry my pillow. And here's my best offer ever. Get four my pillows for the price of one. That's right. Get four my pillows, two premium pillows, and two travel pillows for the price of one. Order my pillow at 800-871-7280 and use promo code FARM11. Get four my pillows for the price of one. Call 800-871-7280 and use promo code FARM11. Go to mypillow.com and at checkout use promo code FARM11. Time for a market check here on Adams on Agriculture, presented by the American Ag Network. I'm Rusty Halverson. Grain and soybean futures pulling back in the overnight session despite ongoing weather concerns in major world crop-producing regions. Corn dipping after notching a nearly two-year high on Tuesday. Though analysts expect gains to return thanks to dry conditions in Brazil, there's concern about the second corn crop in that country. July corn moving to a firmer close on Tuesday, settling above 402 and three quarters, the high from March 13th. A second settlement above that zone on Wednesday could confirm a bullish breakout in the market. In the wheats, we had a bullish breakout on Tuesday, backtracking a bit early on Wednesday. Back to a mix now, though, with Kansas City wheat trending three to five and a half cents higher on Tuesday. July closed above 547 and three quarters, the high from April 9th. July soybeans erased intraday losses Tuesday, then modestly higher after Monday's strong sell-off. We are backpedaling three to four lower currently in soybeans. July, an hour into the trading day, 10.49 and three quarters, down three and a half cents. Outside markets, U.S. stocks swinging between small gains and losses Wednesday with investors cautious following the latest earnings results while awaiting an update from the Federal Reserve later on today. For livestock, the Merck cattle and hog futures seeing a early modest rally. Live cattle futures 20 to 55 cents higher, 12 to 50 higher in feeder cattle. Cash prices said to be all over the map so far. Some bites at 118 per hundred weight, other packers declining at 120. Lean hog futures, June steady at 73.90. We were steady firm in the cash on Tuesday. Those outside markets on Wall Street, the Dow is down 82, the S&P 500 down 6, June crude oil in New York up 2 cents. I'm Rusty Halverson for the American Ag Network. Do you need a car? Been shopping only to be turned down because of bad credit, low credit, no credit, bankruptcy, or divorce? Guess what? Today's your lucky day because now you can buy a car, truck, or SUV, just about any vehicle. It's true. Bad credit doesn't matter. No credit doesn't matter. Bankruptcy or divorce, it just doesn't matter. As a matter of fact, your job is your ticket to your new vehicle. We're Auto Credit Express, and we've helped thousands of people just like you. Antonio H. told us, great company, got me connected, and the day I went in, I drove off in the car I wanted. 100% worth your time. Need a car? Get started now and drive off as early as today. Just go to 11ignoremyscore.com right now. That's www.11ignoremyscore.com. Auto financing the easy way. 11ignoremyscore.com. Get started today. Auto financing the easy way. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now back to Mike Adams. All right, welcome back to Adams on Agriculture. And a couple of interesting conversations already today. I uh, just heard Scott Irwin say that even though it would be good to get the E15 waiver and have E15 sales year round, he doesn't think that would be enough to offset 
the lower RIN prices that we have right now, and it may not, so that E15 waiver on its own may not be the boon to uh, the ethanol market that many are hoping it will be. So we'll be watching that. Also, as you heard earlier, I want to again go over the comments we heard from the ranking member of the House Agriculture Committee, Colin Peterson, who says he's not hearing all that much uh, back home uh, this week while they're off about the, the farm bill, what he's hearing about concerns over trade and the RFS. And he also said he does not expect any Democrats to vote for the House farm bill when it comes up either next week or the week after. And he doesn't see how they're going to get it through a conference committee, even if it passes the House, because the Senate is uh, already said they're not going to, the Senate Act Committee said they're not going to take that approach to uh, the nutrition title when it comes to food stamps and the, the worker requirements and things like that. Now, if you'll recall, if you were with us last week when I talked with House Ag Committee Chair Mike Conaway, uh, he kind of indicated he realized he wouldn't get everything through that they're proposing in the House uh, version of the bill. But when I asked him, could he see a final bill not having some changes to the SNAP program, he said no, he can't envision that there wouldn't be some changes, kind of leaving the door open that he realizes it won't be all the changes they're proposing on the House side, but hoping for some type of uh, compromise in uh, in the in between. So we'll see how all that plays out. But obviously, um, as Congressman Peterson is saying, what he's hearing, concerns about the RFS, which we just talked about with uh, Scott Irwin, and with trade, a lot going on with trade. Are we going to hear something this week on NAFTA or not? And... Some high-ranking U.S. officials off to China this week to start talks uh, on a lot of very sensitive and critical issues with China. And we just do not know how that's going to turn out or what the reaction will be. We've heard some of the comments from the high-ranking officials, including U.S. Trade Representative Robert Lighthizer, that uh, he doesn't expect uh, everything just to get fixed overnight. It's going to take a while, and they're going to try to take steps and start addressing some of these critical areas. But agriculture, obviously, watching very closely because that that uh, market is so sensitive uh, for U.S. agriculture. So well, we have a lot of things happening here all at once as farmers are trying to get uh, their crops in the ground and the ones that are in the ground uh, wondering uh, how they're going to do because it is dry in a lot of areas. We have a wheat tour going on, a wheat tour out in Kansas and Oklahoma uh, reporting on uh, the damage that's already been done there because of uh, weather issues and challenges. So there's just a lot going on all at once here right now impacting agriculture. We'll keep a close watch on it for you here on Adams on Agriculture. I think this farm bill uh, vote will be interesting to see how long it takes before the Republicans feel confident enough to bring it to a vote. Uh, you heard Chairman Conaway tell us last week, I mean, they're, they're probably not going to do it unless they're pretty sure they have the 218 that they need to pass it. So how long is that going to take? And perhaps the timing of the uh, vote, if we see it start getting delayed, that would indicate they're having trouble, obviously, getting those votes. I want to talk about that right now with Jerry Hagstrom from the Hagstrom Report. Jerry, thanks for joining us. What's your take on, on this farm bill situation and uh, and getting it passed in the House? Well, I think it's very messy and very fluid. I know you had Colin Peterson on this morning. I'll tell you what else has happened in Washington. There are two conservative representatives 
who have introduced a bill that would that a house bill that would put in place all the the cuts that the Trump administration proposed in its budget uh, and and uh, that's uh, representative Ralph Norman of South Carolina and representative Paul Gosar of Arizona at the same time the heritage uh, action group today just came out with a letter saying we've got to get rid of all these uh, farm subsidies, and they have a whole list of, of backers, uh, you know, the Club for Growth, all the usual uh, conservative uh, conservative gro- groups. So uh, I know that Congressman Conaway wants to uh, uh, try to get a rule in which people would not be able to uh, offer amendments on the floor uh, if they didn't promise to vote for the bill. I'm, I'm, I'm not sure how exactly that would work. Um, uh, how you could keep them to that to that promise, but uh, uh, it's a very it's just a very messy situation. With as far as I can tell, no Democrats planning to support the bill. Yeah, and that's what Colin Peters told us. He does not expect any single Democratic vote. And I was just saying, we'll probably get an idea how confident the Republicans feel in getting their votes by how quickly they bring the bill up for a vote, right? If it starts getting delayed or pushed off, we're, we're, we probably figure they're having trouble getting that 218. Right. I, you know, I noticed that on your program last week, uh, Chairman Conaway said he hopes to bring it up the week of, of um, May 14th. Uh, Congress comes back next uh, Monday, and that by that point then, uh, we should have some, or he should have some ideas, and then he's going to talk to more people that week and we'll see what will happen. Now, at the same time, Conaway is encouraging people who are in favor of the work requirements for food stamps to go and tell their members this week. But the anti-hunger groups are saying, they're saying to their supporters, you go tell members that these, that these uh, work requirements might have, end up causing some people to be hungry. So it's a very yeah. m- messy uh, situation. Yeah, and Congressman Peterson just told us that uh, he's not even hearing much back home on the farm bill. That his voters, uh, his constituents, are talking more about RFS and trade, and not really fired up that much about the farm bill. Exactly, exactly. And the, um, uh, you know, the, and the, and on that point, the trade the trade situation is very messy uh, because the Trump administration wants a deal on revamping NAFTA within the next two weeks in order to get Congress to approve it this year. Otherwise, they'd have to deal with another Congress, which could be controlled by the Democrats. So that is a problem. And then we have the continual issues of, um, the, of Trump saying that he supports the renewable fuel standard and EPA granting these waivers. And the last one was to our Carl Icahn, you know, this billionaire. Um, so... It's it's just all a mess. What can I say? <laughs> We're talking with Jerry Hagstrom with the Hagstrom Report. Yeah, just talking uh, with University of Illinois ag economist Scott Irwin, uh, talking about what benefit there would be to getting the E15 waiver. He said, yeah, it would be good. But what's happened is uh, with these waivers uh, being part of the picture, driving down the REN prices, he doesn't think an E15 waiver at this point can offset the lowering of the of the REN prices, so the oil industry has uh, basically right now effectively blocked that ethanol market expansion. Yes, that's uh, that is correct. The ethanol, excuse me, the oil industry has pretty much gotten everything it wanted in this administration. 
Uh, I would say the 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 big factor now is whether Scott Pruitt survives in his job, and that, of course, has not much to do with ethanol, but a lot to do with his ethical issues. And what are you hearing? What do you think? Can he survive all these firestorms around him? Uh, over time, I think it's drip, drip, drip. Uh, it, it's He is surviving mostly because He's done, apparently, what Trump wants him to do, uh, and he's one of the few cabinet officers who's actually done that. So, uh, so therefore, the White House is still being supportive of him, uh, but the constant bad headlines take away any, uh, you know, uh, any positives that he might be getting out of, out of, his, uh, out of his publicity. Uh, so... Uh, I, w- I think he'll he he'll go eventually. Yeah, it's I've been kind of wrestling with this. I mean, how much is he Pruitt acting on his own, or how much is it with guidance or any input from the White House? I mean, at some point you got to say, uh, is President Trump just letting this guy run? You know, as a rogue member of his uh, administration, it's hard to believe that he's just not paying that much attention, letting him just do whatever he wants. Well, right. Of course, the president has a lot of other things to deal with besides sure. EPA. And so, uh, I, you know, he certainly isn't going to be going over every waiver that you're going to grant to the refineries for the renewable fuel standard. Uh, you, can't, you could maybe expect a White House aide to go over that, but not, certainly not the, not the president. Um, the incredible thing about Pruitt is that it has come out that since, ever since he got into office in, in Oklahoma, he has wanted to live beyond his means and has always wanted to live on this high scale and has often gotten these lobbyists involved in, in his uh, personal living situation. So, well, so I, what I find incredible is that a man who is as ambitious as Scott Pruitt engages in this kind of activity. But maybe when he lived in Oklahoma, he wasn't worried about scrutiny. But at the national level, there's always more scrutiny. Mm-hmm. And meanwhile, Jerry, we've got to go, but it will be interesting to see what comes out of these trade talks this week with China. Yes, it will be very interesting, although uh, Lighthizer, the trade rep, says that is, um, he's not, he doesn't have high expectations. So I don't know. And then the Europeans are upset. They wanted to... Uh, to get out of their um, uh, increased tariffs, but they've only got, they've only been given a 30-day extension. So there's uh, very difficult relations with Europe too. Lots going on, and uh, I know you're covering it, and we always appreciate your input on this. Jerry Hagstrom with the Hagstrom Report. Take care, Jerry. Thanks for being with us. You're welcome. All right, lots going on. Stay with us. More coming up on AOA Adams on Agriculture. I'm here to tell you that your options for getting out of debt have never been better. How do I know? Because I'm Howard Dvorkin, the founder of Consolidated Credit. For nearly two decades, we've helped over five million people just like you. And every time we help someone, they all say the same thing. Why didn't I call sooner? If you owe too much money on your credit cards and you feel that you'll never be able to pay it off, 
don't wait. Simply pick up the phone and find out what our Freedom Quest program can do for you. Reducing your payments by up to 50% is just the beginning, but you have to take the first step. When credit card debt is the problem, we're the solution. Call Consolidated Credit now. As soon as you call, the hard part is over. Call Consolidated Credit now. 1-800-489-7204. 1-800-489-7204. That's 1-800-489-7204. 5701 Sunrise Boulevard, Fort Lauderdale, Florida. Licensed debt management service provider, Vermont and New York Banking Departments, Maryland 49, Oregon DM80031. We paid less for our Craftmatic today than we did 20 years ago. If you're still searching for the perfect solution to a good night's sleep, call now for prices and free information on today's Craftmatic adjustable beds. And then decide when you see how little they cost. Rated number one by consumers nationwide on ConsumerAffairs.com. Craftmatic beds come in all mattress types, including cool gel memory foam for up to 50% less than today's leading memory foam brand. Enjoy temporary relief of low back pain, poor circulation, nighttime heartburn, mild arthritis. You'll sleep better in a Craftmatic adjustable Bed. So if you're still searching for the perfect solution to a good night's sleep, call now for prices and information, and then decide when you see how little they cost. Discover Craftmatic for less, up to 50% less than today's leading memory foam brand. Call 1-800-318-7903. That's 1-800-318-7903. 1-800-318-7903. Call now. Around 3500 BC, someone used basic tools and slabs of wood to invent the wheel. Genius. In 1879, Thomas Edison invented the light bulb. Genius. In 1899, a Norwegian with degrees in electronics, science, and mathematics invented the paperclip. Genius. There's genius, and then there's pure genius. At BASF, that's what drove us to develop Ingenia Herbicide, our most advanced dicamba formulation ever for dicamba-tolerant cotton and soybeans. It gives you a low-volatility solution at the lowest dicamba use rate ever offered, providing an additional site of action to outsmart the toughest weeds, even the glyphosate-resistant ones. Grow smart with Ingenia Herbicide from BASF, a flexible solution that's pure genius. Talk to your representative today. Learn more at ingeniaherbicide.com. BASF, we create chemistry. Ingenia Herbicide is a U.S. EPA restricted use pesticide. Always read and follow label directions. If you or your family love the freedom of swimming any time of year, if you love sharing good times and making great memories, or if you want one of the best total body workouts ever, then it's time to discover the three C's of your very own endless pool. The first C is convenience. Imagine swimming year-round in your own private swimming pool, installed indoors or out, just steps away. The second C is comfort. With sculpted spa seats and your own adjustable temperature, you can easily escape the stress of your day. And the third C is cost. Your endless pool is an affordable luxury at a fraction of the cost of a regular pool. And here's a bonus C, choice. Because when you call for your free Endless Pool Idea Kit, you'll receive information on our full line of pools to suit your budget and location. Call now for your free information, 800-717-0734, 800-717-0734. The mighty Prosaro, king of fungicides. Its fast action and long residual make it the keeper of grain quality and yield. The hammer of head and leaf diseases. The number one reducer of scab. When your goal is greater wheat quality and higher yield, use Prosaro fungicide. 
and the crown of higher profit will be yours. Learn more at Prosaro.us. Always read and follow label instructions. I live alone, so when I slipped and fell in the kitchen last month and couldn't get to a phone, that's when I knew I needed Life Alert. With just one press of this button, I'm connected to the Life Alert Center, where I can get the help I need, even when I cannot reach a phone. With Life Alert, I'm never alone. For a free Life Alert brochure, call 800-981-2126. That's 800-981-2126. Call now at 800-981-2126 to get a free brochure. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now back to Mike Adams. All right, welcome back. We'd hoped to talk uh, trade with the executive director for Farmers for Free Trade, but uh, a scheduling conflict has come up. So we've asked uh, Jerry Hagstrom of the Hagstrom Report to stay on with us because we want to talk more about this farm bill situation. Um, we, we've been kind of referring to this, but here's what's happened. Some conservative anti-poverty experts contend now that the uh, SNAP program already is penalizing marriage because recipients uh, face a potential drop in benefits from combining income, and they're arguing that the new work requirements being proposed in this House Farm Bill could make that problem worse by requiring both parents to work at least 20 hours per week after their children reach the age of six. And uh, and one uh, uh, person on this, a senior research fellow at the Conservative Heritage Foundation, saying you don't want a welfare program that's hostile to marriage. Uh, Jerry, we bring all this up because it just it, it reminds us again that the especially the SNAP program, the nutrition title, brings a lot of other outside voices into the farm bill debate and makes it harder then to get a farm bill passed. It, it certainly does, uh, and you have all kinds of views on uh, on SNAP or food stamps. Uh, everything from that it should be just be a simple program and, and all low-income people should be able to get it and buy whatever kind of foods they want, which they can do now with the exception of hot food. Um, and then you have the people uh, who want to impose the work requirements, and you also have the people who, who want to restrict the purchases so that they wouldn't be able to buy soda and maybe potato chips and, and sweet things, what people would consider to be unhealthy snacks. So they're, they're, once they bring, if they bring this up on the House floor, there's, I'm sure, going to be a big debate about it again. Oh, yeah, for sure. So what is and the best path forward do you see in passing a farm bill? When do I see them passing it, or will no, they pass how, it? How do you I see them? I don't What's, know wh- if it will pass, but I will tell you, my my best case scenario on this is that if the democrats take control of the house uh, and possibly the senate then i could imagine the congress passing it in a lame duck session uh... then and the reason that they would do it is that the republicans would know that they wouldn't have a chance of getting any of the things that they want in another farm bill uh... you know the next year and so, therefore, they would move forward and take what they can get. Now, the Democrats did this in 2010 with both the Healthy Hunger Free Kids Act, which uh, uh, provi- changed the rules on the school meals, and also the Food Safety Modernization Act, uh, which uh, imposed a lot more uh, uh, rules on food and uh, on fruit and, and uh, 
vegetable producers and others that uh, that make food. And in that case, the bills had not been finished. The election was held. The Republicans were going to take over, and the Democrats said, "Let's take what we can get," and they passed the bills, and President Obama uh, uh, pa- uh, signed it, signed them. So that would be that is my best case scenario at the present time. Yeah, there's no doubt that the. Uh the coming elections uh, have a part to play in all this. I thought it was interesting, Colin Peterson telling us earlier, that outside of the nutrition title, which gets all the attention right now because of the uh, controversy and the the differences of opinion, he said he doesn't like the rest of the bill all that much either. No, he's, uh, you know, he was going along with it. He, he negotiated it. Uh, but now that they, that the Republicans did what he considers to be such uh, strong uh, changes and, and uh, objectionable changes to the SNAP title, uh, he's now pointing out other things about it. Uh, and he thinks that the reference prices for the, for the price loss coverage program need to be raised and that there just needs to be more money in the bill. So think about it this way. All of that could happen if we had an extension and we waited another year and uh, Colin Peterson is the chairman. So all this does is put more pressure on Chairman Conaway to get the get this thing to a vote as quick as he can, and with the votes obviously needed to pass it. I mean, he's he's running that race against the clock. Well, yes, and what I wonder about this is, what are these Republicans going to say about his idea of people not being able to offer these amendments that would cut the farm programs or maybe make changes to SNAP? Those uh, the people who would want to cut the farm programs are, are a combination of Republicans and Democrats. But the groups that want the cuts to the farm programs are all Republican. You know, people like Heritage Action and the Cut Club for Growth. Uh, those very conservative activist groups. Yeah, you know, if it gets to where they're they start talking about cuts to something like crop insurance, for example, or something like that. All of a sudden, I think people would get more, farmers would then get more fired up about the farm bill, right? Absolutely. And what they might want is an extension instead of a bill, because an extension would just extend the programs. You'd have some problems because you'd lose some programs unless they did something special for the ones that don't have any funding after the end of the fiscal year on September 30th. But, uh, but the basic programs would simply be maintained in an extension, and so would the rules for the SNAP program for food stamps. Hmm. That would be interesting after after all this wrangling. If all of a sudden an extension became a better, uh, a more popular option for many than uh, going ahead with a new bill. Yes, that would be very interesting. Of course, I've been through this before. In the last farm bill, it was two years late when it got passed. So. We've, uh, we've gone through multiple extensions uh, in the past, uh, and they usually uh, go through Congress pretty easily because if they didn't, uh, people would be really riled up. And, you know, you'd have to go back to these old laws from 1938 and 1949 uh, that just won't work. They have really, really high um, uh, commodity support prices uh, that are based on old levels of production. Uh, yeah, that just won't work, so Congress has to do something. That's why we still have permanent law behind the bill. 
Yeah, it it will indeed be an interesting next couple of weeks to see uh, if they can bring it to a vote and if they have the have the votes to pass it. Then then going to a conference committee with the Senate that'll be a whole uh, different ball game. Kind of waiting to see what's going to happen over on the Senate side, but obviously it's going to be a different approach than what we're seeing and hearing on the House side. Jerry, thanks for staying on with us. Appreciate it. Take care. All right. Thank you. Always interesting to talk to your uh, listeners, Mike. Thank you, Jerry. Jerry Hagstrom with the Hagstrom Report. All right, that's going to wrap it up for today. A lot of these stories are constantly developing. We'll keep you updated right here on AOA, Adams on Agriculture. Thanks for joining us. Have a great day, everyone.